All right. Wait, huh. We uh we back in here. Ah. I love it when songs open up with that. Like there's uh I know there's an every time I die one and then there's one by Oh, the band with the drummer who lost the leg. Whose name I can't ever remember. Or like in the seventies or eighties. Oh, um leg. I, there's uh, I, maybe it was an arm. That was Def Leopard. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. I got you know me. I got trouble putting names to things and faces and songs. Dates and all that. Yeah, I'm just early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> I guess. Uh, wait, can we back just a smidge? Okay. Am I being too intrusive on the microphone? No, no, no. Uh, you're fine, but I just want to make sure that we're not killing people, you know? Yeah, man. All those headphone listeners out there. I'm sorry. My voice is kind of booming. Booming today. You're, yeah, you're loud, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. So we got a, we got a pretty solid agenda. I think we, we have some talking points. We do. Um, but yeah. Woo. All right, Gabe. You ready? Born ready. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 124. 124. Oh, yeah. We are back on a hot-ass day on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Gabe. It's motherfucking toasty out there. It Look at my leg. I'm burnt. Yeah, what happened with that? Uh, we went to the dunes yesterday, and we were out and about, and I, I got full coatage, man, because I, I don't fuck around with that sunburn shit, but yeah. I got a Death Star-sized glob on my back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah? I'm a little patchy, but... It burned you up a little bit, huh? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, it's hot as fuck. Uh, yeah, it's summer. It is what it is, though. All right, man. So, Gabe, how was your weekend? Or week? Weekend? Whatever. Uh, well, it was, uh, it was a little bit interesting. So, uh, I got tires put on last week, as you know, we kind of covered intermittently. And then, so Tuesday, one of my tires had, like, a leak. And so I pop out around noon to have a smoke, and it's, like, almost flat. And I was like, hey, boss, I got to take this into Bridgestone. Thankfully, it was like right across the street. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to take it in while it's still drivable because I've driven on a rim before. And it's not fun. Yeah. So they're like, hey, we fucked up your installation. We're sorry. We'll give you a new tire. And I was like, all right. So I left the car there and I skated back to work because I had my longboard in my trunk. Okay. And that shit was just uncomfortable in like long ass tweed pants and dress shoes and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I just skated back to work and I'm like walking in with my longboard and nobody said a goddamn word. And I was like, all right, I guess this must be a pretty common occurrence then. I mean, it's you. I mean, you're <laughs> yeah, uh, if not me, then who? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be somebody. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so you got your tired off patched up and ready to go. Yeah, man, we're good to go. And like I said yesterday, we were at the beach. That was fun. I um, fun fact. First time me and Maddie have ever been to the beach together since we started dating. So like four years, really? but I haven't been to the beach and it was so nice to go back and just get some sun and I'm turning into that guy that I'm like, I get out of the water. I'm like, all right, I'm going to nap for a bit out in the sun. So that was nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. All right. So my week consisted of, well, I don't know, just kind of the run of the mill stuff, except on Friday, which is my first note. I actually slid it up to the notes topic because I want, oh, okay, we got a, we got an upgrade, a promotion to this topic. Yeah. Cause I wanted to, you know, talk about it first and kind of talk about my experiences overall with uh rock stars disrupt festival all right um it was friday here in uh tinley park so we went um we skipped uh the first band hydro the hero because i don't know who they are and i could care less and uh we were walking in as juliet sims plays now let me tell you something being a veteran of many a concerts in my time i have never seen such little people at a start of event like i did for this show that's 
pretty crazy. Yeah, I've never seen because I'm used to either the big headlining bands that autom- you know, automatically have a line around the fucking corner, or like something like the Warp Tour, which at ten o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, people start lining up. It's a backup, yeah. Yeah, this is um, yeah, this was something else. So we walked in basically, right? It was crazy. Um, you know, no line, no nothing. We parked in like the third row. Of, wow, like parking, yeah. So at, we, at that venue too, I, I don't think I've ever gotten yeah anything closer than like ten. I was uh, I was talking shit to about some of the premium people, the people who paid like thirty bucks for like that unfront parking. I'm like, y'all could have been free for fucking two rows back because it was that close. That's how close we were. So Juliet Sims was playing when we walked in. What'd you think? Uh she's one. She is one of the main problems that I have with the festival. But I'm gonna bring it around towards the end. I'm gonna talk about that. To her, to me, she is very blah. Boring, uh, not interesting rock music. I mean, uh, I think the only thing she really has got going for her is she's a female uh, fronted rock band, which we don't have a whole lot of those. Um, but to me, the music was uninteresting. Uh, basically, it was kind of uh, the set for me to walk around and kind of get my bearings. Gotcha. Um, you know, walk around. And get know your food. exits. Yeah, get, get my food and kind of hang out. So the side stage, because they had a side stage, um, Kind of think of it as like a shrunken down version of like maybe like a war tour stage. So maybe something like the like size a full sale, like a full sale. Yeah. Something the size of like a full sale stage kind of shrunken down. Um, good sound. Everything sounded good and all that. But to me, I don't know, man. I'm, it, it, the, the setup wasn't my favorite. All right. I'll say that. Um, and this, it's amazing. I was telling my sister as we were walking around. It's kind of funny to me uh, because I am so uh, used to that venue being gigantic that um, because it's really its own city when Warp Tour was still around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was such because it was what it was just the main stage, the big one, mm-hmm. and then this little side stage. Yeah, damn. And, and I'm so used to the venue being so big because they have to make it big because of the space that they need to utilize. So having it kind of diminished and shrunk down was kind of an interesting experience to me. Um, so whatever. Uh, first band got done, then Trophy Eyes came up. Uh, How are they live? So uh, we we actually we had tickets to see them three years ago when they were still doing like hardcore music. But um, the bottom lounge and the ticket sellers fucked up the timing. So we got there right as 100th was going on. Oh, and wow. so we just missed Trophy Eyes. Okay. So um, I'm not super, super big on Trophy Eyes' new stuff. I know you like it. Uh, to me, I think it's whatever. Uh, I watch them. They're good. They sound good. Instrumentally, they're good. Uh, his performance is pretty good. But I will say, as a band to watch, they're kind of boring. Yeah. That, well, uh, there, there's been some issues with Trophy Eyes in the past because they've gotten sloshed at uh, the rave and they were like, you know, like piss poor drunk type of shit. And yeah. they essentially said, hey, you can't fucking play here no more. So with a big bill like this, I'm sure they don't want to fuck that up. Yeah. Um, so they were very stationary. The, the front man didn't take the microphone stand off the mic or the mic out of the microphone stand at all. He stood there the whole time. Gotcha. Um, like I said, it sounded good. But if they were trying to inspire people to start getting active and getting excited because it was still relatively empty, mm-hmm. there were some people there, maybe like 200 people, tops, 300 people. But to me, I think it was a bad spot for them to be in. And um, considering that they do have quality music. Yeah. Kind and, of unfair. And like I said, I'm kind of, again, this, I'm going to start relaying a lot of my closing thoughts in the same kind of deal. And I wonder, wonder if you'll agree with me, but overall, not a bad performance. Uh, a quick little tidbit. They went to Applebee's and they slammed like 54 Bahama mamas that night. Just trophy eyes. Really? Just trophy eyes. The five of them. Hey man, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, they finished They, You know, people seem to be digging them other than the fact they were extremely boring to watch. Um, you know, it is what it is. Next up Memphis Mayfire. 
And I've mentioned this prior. I've seen Memphis Mayfire a handful of times, and every single time they're awesome. They sound great. Cool. Now, if we get that same quality in their writing. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some issues with that. I mean, um, to me, I'm an older Memphis fan. I like a lot of their older shit. And um, those stuff, that those songs always stick out compared to the newer stuff that they write. Because um, to me, now I like Matty Mullins as a vocalist, but to me, he comes off as kind of a pretentious douchebag, mm-hmm. uh, how he dresses and how he kind of stands, you know, stands I think around. that's a, just a massive pitfall of the genre we cover overall. No, him in particular. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that he's kind of a dick. Um, that and he's once talked about trying to be the voice of a generation, which I find hysterical. Davy Muse, where you at? Yeah. Uh, so there's that, and um, you know, like I said, they're awesome live. They they always deliver, and uh, he sounded great. This is when the crowd started to get a little bit more into it, a little bit more active. It's kind of hard not to when this style of music. Memphis delivers a good performance, and um, it was good stuff overall. Next up, oh my God, who was next? Was it Four Year Strong? Four Year Strong was next. Okay. And they were awesome. They always are. They're fucking sick. They're so sick. And um, it, it's funny to me that such a band that has such a, like a fret punk sound has made it this far. But that just goes to show the quality of their writing and yeah. music. And there's just no shaking them. Four Year Strong is deeply rooted into not even the metalcore genre, but like this warp tour festival yes. style thing. And there's yeah. no shaking them. Yeah, they're they're so good. And just the we've talked about it before how Four Year Strong is quite of the quintessential summer music. So there's nothing more satisfying than being in an outside venue and having them play in the sun in front of a bunch of crazy people going nuts. You're slamming a cheap, yep, a a beer that should be three dollars, but it's twelve dollars plus tax. Yeah, it's part of the ambiance, and they're fucking sick, man. Uh, Every time I've seen them, I've always been blown away about their performance. They're so incredibly tight, well put together music, and um, a lot of energy. They have a lot of energy. Plaid is the color of my energy. Yeah, absolutely. So they kicked ass. I mean, Four Year Strong kicks someone's ass. They always do. Uh, I skipped Sleeping With Sirens because I couldn't give a fuck, uh, and they opened up the main stage, right? So, at this point... So, uh, was everything on the side stage at this point? Yes. Okay. Everything was on the side stage. Uh, Sleeping With Sirens was the last band on the side stage. I have no interest in them anymore. I could care less what, what their performance is, what they sound like. I Sure. Don't. Even though they've gotten heavier from what I've heard. The new I, it, Their instrumentals on their last single have gotten heavier, but I don't think that's enough to qualify them back into the ballpark of heavy music, simply yeah. because Kellen Quinn... Definitely. And, you know, we all have our opinions on that, but back to the festival. Yeah. So uh, next up, you know, um, we sit, we stood around for a minute, and then fucking uh, first band to open up on the main stage was fucking Atreyu, yep. which to me, a little weird, because they're kind of, well, maybe outside of like Sum 41 and the used are like the elder statesmen of all this, kind of, sort of. They were definitely there in the beginning as a metalcore, but yeah. interesting placement. That, that was a little interesting, and I think out of all of the bands on the main stage, maybe outside of Sum 41, probably the biggest commercially, I think, as far as mainstream appeal. Um, they definitely had that with like Let's Sales Paper Anger. They were like on the cusp of like blowing up there. But um, yeah, so they opened up, man. And fuck, I told you this last time I saw a Treyu and I kind of sound like I'm fucking a broken record at this point. But fuck, they kick ass, dude. They kick so much ass. And um, it's funny because I saw them like probably seven, eight times in my high school uh, run, just yeah. in my high school run. And they were always okay live, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the last two times I've seen them was Warp, Warp Tour and then Disrupt. No, I saw them at um, the House of Blues. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the last two times I've seen them, shit, on every other performance I've seen them beforehand. It's not even close. And uh, they just bring so much energy that they were awesome. The, the fans were feeding into it. It was good stuff, man. Um, now, this is where I start to kind of bring up some of the, I don't know, the I don't want to say negatives because they didn't the really issues. do Yeah, they didn't really do anything wrong, the festival itself. But you could tell that the festival wasn't drawing well throughout the whole entire run. 
Um, they canceled the date in Ohio because they said logistics reasons. I'm thinking because they didn't have a whole lot of tickets sold. That's my opinion. And uh, here, um, you know, the, the amphitheater itself was decently full, but they what they wanted, what the intention was, was for them to fill up the whole amphitheater and, and the lawn. Because I bought lawn tickets originally. Mm-hmm. They were 30 bucks, right? Which is whatever. Fair enough. Um, but as I got closer to the festival, I was keeping my eye on the tickets because I'm like, I wonder. So I kept my eye on and then 30 bucks came up for seats in the 100 section. Holy shit. That's Col- like unheard of at that venue. Yeah. Fucking close to the stage. We were right there. And uh, so I'm like, let's see what we can do. So we actually were able to get a uh, like a refund and, and buy the new tickets. So for, for a quick reference, for those of you outside of our listening area, when I went to go see Dave Chappelle, uh, 100 uh, seat tickets were 195 without fees, without tax. Yeah. For Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, g- generally speaking, if the thing is sold out, that's like 150 bucks, 200 bucks. Easy. 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 Like 300 level. Yeah. So um, yeah, I could tell because at that point, people were walking around and there was nobody in the lawn. So they probably shifted everybody forward because they're like, well, at least fill up the amphitheater, if anything else. Um, but listen, like I said, I don't want to take it away from the, the festival because it wasn't exactly their fault but we'll get to that in the end but yeah atreya was great uh they had good performance um the crowd loved them because you know there's they're all like i said the elder statesman everybody knows at least some atreyu songs my closest friend in high school his mom had an atreyu shirt from yeah. ozfest or something yeah uh, th- that's all i need to say on no that. yeah you're right no uh, like i said big big stuff big deal awesome performance uh, they played all the hits, uh, some new songs. The new songs are good. They're not bad, man. Yeah, they're fun. Atreyu yeah. uh, is consistent with their music quality. Absolutely. Um, and they did a great job. Next up, this is where I started to look at my phone. Uh, now, I like Circus Survive to an extent, mm-hmm. right? To me, even when uh, they were like super, super popular, I always felt like they were a little bit too artsy for me. Like just a smidge, just a smidge too artsy. Um, and because they're like kind of that... Um, sweeping kind of uh, psychedelic or uh, like huge instrumentation and with a really high pitch vocalist. And um, I'm not saying that they were bad live. It sounded all right. But to me, I think it was a kind of a curveball after the, the high that a tray you had, it was kind of like, you know, high intense music. And then they should have been the other way around. Yeah. Cause, and they kind of brought in this act that was more reserved, I guess. I don't know how to explain it, but um, people ate it up. People liked it to me. Um, the best part about them seeing them live was the production because they had like some really cool lights and uh, cool ambiance to their shit. It looked good. Um, but to me, it's just circuit. Like I said, just a smidge too artsy for me. Circus survive has always been to me. If like the guys in Seosan did like crystal meth and speed, yeah. you know, that's yeah. a <laughs> no, no, no dig or a kick to any circus survive fan or the band itself. <laughs> that's just how I see. Well, them. I definitely, I definitely took a look around as they were playing and the people were into them. People yeah, really got a strong following. People really, really liked them. I'm just not one. I'm not crazy about it at this point. My, cause I went with my sister and her boyfriend. He looked at me. He's like, what is this? I'm like, dude, I mean, it's that's not a train. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not my genre. It's not your genre, but it's for people out there, obviously. Cause people were into them. Yeah. Uh, so who's after circa they used? Nope. Thrice. Thrice. Okay, yeah. So you, you, you shot me a little comment on this. So I I don't recall rather seeing th- I might have seen them maybe once or twice before. At a warp tour or something. Yeah, I see maybe seen them once or twice and now I've seen them thrice. thrice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, podcast over. <laughs> yeah. Wrap it up. Sorry. Um so they open up a <laughs> you real ugly for that fucking comment, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, damn it. Anyway, um, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is when it started to get dark outside, right? The sun started to go down, so the ambiance in the room was nice. Um, and they came out, and they played. 
And as I'm playing, I'm like, I like, I've always liked Thrice. I'm like, Thrice is awesome. You, you know, if you're a hard, post hardcore kid, you have to like list a little bit of Thrice, right? So I'm listening, and as they go, as they keep on going, I started with my phone in my hand, and then I slowly started to put my phone in my pocket and start to pay attention to every move that they made. And man, for a band that's been around as long as they have, 20 with, years now, that is as OG as they are, they are fucking the bomb diggity live. Like the instrumentation is absolutely phenomenal. The light show is really fucking good. He sounds fantastic. His voice is fantastic. Now, for those who may have been, uh, you know, strong old school listeners of the podcast, we harped about Caspian, right? Mm-hmm. How Caspian was probably one of the best live bands we've ever seen. Probably, yep. uh, probably one of the best experience. I put this on this on that level. That's how. Good oh wow, it was that good. Yeah, they were that good. So, were you taken aback considering that it was thrice, and this is a band that we've kind of always had in the background? Yeah. Whereas Caspian was a total kind of new oddity. No, I, I, t- I definitely it caught me by surprise because I'm like, I figure they're going to be good because they've been around forever. They, you can't. You've got to be good. Yeah, there's no way that you're going to be around that long and not be good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was kind of shocked. I'm like, what the fuck? And the old stuff because. They've definitely progressed over time because they did kind of start with the kind of the post hardcore sound. But now I don't even know how to explain it. It's kind of a slower droning, but fantastically big music. Um, And their choruses are phenomenal. And a lot of their um, production quality is phenomenal. And as I was watching, I'm like, fuck. And anytime that they had something with a little bit more oomph, like when they're not doing kind of those bigger songs. And like that's a little bit more old and a little bit more fast paced. I'm like, fuck, they're really good. Like, holy shit, the dude could still scream. the The singing vocalist, that's he good could stuff. He could still scream. Now, the only negative I have for them is that outside of the physical performance of them doing their job and performing on stage, in between when they would talk, they were kind of they sounded kind of boring. I don't know. <laughs> like the bass player, uh, he was talking because uh, in the middle of the set. Uh, the dude from Threat, I forget his, I don't know his name. The the singer was having issues with his guitar. So the bass player was like, hi guys. Um, yeah, we're having issues with our uh, guitar and uh, we'll hope to be playing music in a minute. <laughs> and we're like, okay, <laughs> oh, fine. All right. So that happened. And uh, I told, because uh, he talked like a handful of times because he kept up having issues with it. I told my sister, I'm like, somebody take the mic away from my microphone away from him. <laughs> but at the same time, near the end of the set, this dude this dude started to scream, and I'm like, "Holy shit! What the? Where's that energy when you're talking? I don't, I don't, I don't know." But by the time the set was over with, I was completely like blown away, and I was like fucking headbanging to their shit because it was so fucking sick. So Thrice really blew me away, and to me, um, one of the better live bands. Yeah, spoiler alert: probably the best show of the night, in my opinion. Um, cool. Not to take away from any other band because there were some bands who really delivered. Just they were on. I'll, they were to me. I was walking away. I'm like, they were on such a higher level than everybody else, uh, comparatively. So um, yeah, thrice was fucking kicked ass. And then the used. And then the used. Yeah. So then we got to the used. Um, the used is awesome. This is the first time I've ever seen them actually be really good live. Oh I, yeah. I don't know if it's because the last couple of times I've seen them and they're on the warp tour and you kind of lose some sound quality because it's outside and it's on a little stage. It's on the warp tour. Yeah. And everybody's you know. On crack, yeah, you got to stay up, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's part of the problem, but I did see them here and they were really good. Um, they had like um some good pre-cut production. They had a, a, a kabuki, that big sheet that they pulled down before they. Oh yeah, play. yeah. Um, they had that thing going, and was they Bert wearing his scarf. He had a scarf attached to his uh, microphone stand. Yeah, he loves that thing, Tony. Yeah, he does. Um, so they played all the hits. Everybody loved them. They did a great job. And at this point, I'm like, you know. 
I like some 41, but it's going to be like 10, 15 when they start playing. And I kind of want to go home and my sister's like, yeah, let's go. So we left. And, um, overall, I'm, I'm going to give my opinions on this thing because I had a, I had a good experience, but, and that's without some 41. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to kind of address something here. Um, I think the festival as a whole suffers because they could not choose an identity. Okay. Because they want to kind of be like the Warped Tour, which is this kind of this amalgamation of different genres and different things and kind of bringing it together while ultimately being rock music in the end, for the most part, right? Here's the problem. They had a band like Hydra the Hero, which is like a rap rock band. Mm -hmm. And then the next band was kind of like a chick empowerment rock band. Okay. And then the next band was a metalcore band. And then the next one after that was a pop punk band. And the one after that was kind of a metal pop. I don't even know how to describe Sleeping With Sirens anymore. <laughs> but like kind of a more radio friendly kind of a sound. Mm-hmm. And then the main stage was like a metal band. And then it was like a psychedelic rock band. And then, you know what I mean? Like there's not, no, none of these two things really go together. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, you could probably piece together a really solid lineup from, from different pieces and move it along. But as a whole, they can't, they never chose an identity. I told my sister, I'm like, what they should have done is have the side stage be all younger bands, up and coming bands, and have the main stage be those bigger artists like a Memphis Mayfire and a Treyu, but have like a bigger band be like at the top, at the very top of this list. Because the biggest band was Sum 41. And they're great, but they play House of Blues when they come through. Well, they, the last time they came through, they sold out Bottom Lounge. Well, the, the Bottom Lounge. They which, love small venues. Yeah, that's awesome. But. For the sake of selling a festival on its very first lineup, you got to put you got to put a tray you yeah you got to put the used yeah you gotta yeah you gotta draw you gotta pick the bigger name that's gonna draw and they they failed in the sense that the identity of the album uh, the, the identity of the tour wasn't very clear and they went about trying to please everybody and when you try to please when you try to appeal to everybody you actually appeal to nobody. And that's kind of the problem with the festival as a whole. Well, even when you were going through the lineup, I found some issues. Like, I think it would have made more sense to have Circus Survive go on right before Thrice. I feel like that would have been a smoother transition. They did. In my opinion. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. But, well, okay, like Memphis Mayfire and Atreyu. That should have been a transition. And right into the used. I think that would have been perfect, yeah. you know? But um, I don't know, man. There's like this weird kind of gap in the summer. Because we've reached that point where we should be roughly a week or a, 10 days away from the Warp Tour. Yeah. And... It sounds to me like that didn't fill the hole in your heart. Not really. Disrupted. Um, do you think it would have been better if they split that main stage into two like they do for Warp Tour? And they're like, hey, we have um, these bands, pop puck bands on this half. And we have like metal bands on this half. Yeah. Do you think that would have been better? Yeah. And they were just firing off left and right? Yeah. I think that probably would have been a better choice um, because at that point you're appealing to two se- sets of people, two different type of people. But this was like... Well, we're going to appeal to your high school years, but if you don't know any of these new bands, maybe you should try the new band. In my opinion, those first, the Hydra, the Hero, and Juliet Sims should not have been on the tour at all. The smallest band should have been Trophy Eyes. And then you find bigger bands to fill out the side stage because those two bands did not are not benefiting at all for being on this tour. because Especially if nobody's shown up. In there's, the yeah, there's nobody there. You know what I mean? If you want to, uh, you know, to show off some new bands, you bring those well-known bands and have them play maybe earlier or before and then have them kind of be the filler in between where somebody's walking by and it's like oh that's kind Who's of interesting yeah. yeah that's kind of interesting but I, I i didn't see hydro the heroes crowd i can't imagine it was very big at all so 
to me, if I was an artist, that would be really deflating. I'm like, well, I'm trying to hop on this thing to get known. But in actuality, it's not doing anything for you. You're just wasting money. Because uh, both of those bands, because they were talking about how they're sharing a bus. I'm like, yeah, you're all in the negative, both of you. I know. Don't fucking tell me you're not. I know you are. You know what I mean? So to me, Disrupt, it was, like I said, it was a good time. But I think if they're going to return next year, and I don't know how the financials look for them, they need to choose an identity. I like the idea, the idea that you had because it was kind of the one I thought in my head too. Maybe have to select two people, two ty- two types of people to appease to and fucking fire away. They have some of the best bands in that genre, best foot forward. Well, because you can totally put metalcore kids and pop punk kids in the same basket. Yeah. If a data member can tour with both Boston Manor and Knocked Loose, then this yeah. festival is, would work in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, something, something more because um, I enjoyed the show, but. There was some of it that just didn't make sense to well, me. Well, even then, I think your main idea where you have some of these bigger guys go on earlier, that's what Warped Tour did well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, damn well, nobody would be lining up at the gate at 9 a.m. if all the big guys went on, like, yeah. starting at 2 or 3 p.m. If the, if the lineup was set, then everybody would be showing up. Like then Warped Tour wouldn't have a 9 a.m. gate time. Yeah. You know? Definitely not. That, uh, I, I think that's the one of the bigger things that Warped Tour did right that I think nobody really gives credit for. And you noticed when you go to shit like this. Yeah. So... And um, granted, nobody wants to see a Treyu perform at, you know, on a Friday night at like 3 p.m. Unless it is a tour. Yeah, right? definitely. And um, I don't know. I, they they did OK. Uh, I don't want to like sound like I'm massacring them, but um, there's just some philosophical choices that if they return next year, they should consider. And um, yeah, because it's just I don't know. Some things just didn't fit. I, I still think the best approach is that one you came up with when the, the Hunger Games style. Yeah. Because we know the logistics can be done. We've seen it done for 25 years now. Yeah. And it's just a matter of um, maybe some of these bigger record labels, energy drink sponsors, whatever it may be, that said, hey, let's all put our beef aside for one summer and let's just go at it. Yeah, definitely. And it wouldn't even necessarily be like a beef thing. It's just like, well, my bands are better than yours and I can prove it. Let's go. You know, let's all go out. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, fuck you. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. So well, it is what it is. Um, Every Chicago bar fight ever. Yeah. And I hope, um, like I said, I hope they return because, you know, I think the guy's hearts, the people who are running the tour's hearts were in the right place. It's just um, the execution was a little iffy on the lineup and who they selected to do this thing. I feel like the more I dwell on that idea of having your bigger guys earlier in the day or like sprinkled throughout the day, the more I enjoy that idea. Yeah. So I think that was good on your part, man. That's yeah. It's good to recognize. Yeah. Cause I don't know. Cause then all those little bands are missing out and I, I feel bad. Like I said, I felt pretty bad for Hydra the Hero. I couldn't even imagine what the, that crowd looked well, like. I mean, you know, we always say like, hey, just because we don't like something doesn't mean you shouldn't either. But yeah. it's just a matter of planning and strategics. And, you know, you're totally right. If nobody's there for them. Well, okay. Let me rephrase that. If nobody, if no newcomers are there, for those earlier bands, how are they supposed to get new followers? If yeah. all like the masses of people are showing up for bands like Atreyu, bands yeah. like, you know, yeah. thrice. That's what I mean. Even if they had in a second stage of like these bands that are like, well, let's sprinkle them in. Then you would have the two stages dueling like, well, this one's done. And then while, well, while you're waiting for your next big band, then there's that little side band, indie band that you may not know, but you might like they're playing and they're kind of getting you amped up for the next. Thing. I mean, how many bands have you found at Warped Tour that you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like all a lot. Them. Yeah. A right? lot. A shit ton. Yeah. So there's that. Um, overall, like I said, it's a, it was a positive experience. Hopefully the financials work out and uh, they're able to bring it back next year with a little bit more of a clear vision of what they a want little to accomplish. more spice. Yeah. With what they want to accomplish. But overall I had a good time. All right. Final question for you. How much did you spend uh, on this event? Uh, th- 
well, technically, I didn't spend anything because my sister bought my ticket. But uh, what did she spend? Fifty bucks. Well, or, yeah, like well, yeah, yeah, fifty yeah, bucks. Yeah. Do you think it was worth the fifty dollars if it came out of your pocket? Mm. That's the important question here because Warped Tour always gave you bang for your buck. Mm. If you didn't get bang for your buck at Warped Tour, that was nobody's fault but your own. Mm-hmm. But this is a very different setup. Mm-hmm. Do you think if you paid the fifty dollars for this show that you would have been satisfied? That you said, yeah, that was a fifty bucks well spent. Hmm, that's an interesting question, Gabe. Um, because that's how I look at it. At the end of the day, probably not. How much did you spend for a Treyu and Ice Nine Kills? Twenty-five, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we got like what twelve bucks if we just count a Treyu. Yeah. So I mean, thrice to me, well, that was like a that's a twenty buck. You could drop twenty. I would see pay twenty bucks just to see them again, just them by themselves. I would totally do that. Um, but you know, I've seen the use before. Like I said, the, granted, this was one of the better times I've seen them. But um, so coming close, but you don't feel like it was a steal for your fifty. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a steal. If anything, you're drawing just even, but definitely not a steal. All right. So notes taken. Disrupt. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope to have a better year next year. But yeah. that being said, if you're on one of the future dates and you're still interested, don't let us discourage you. Yeah, cause, go, go, go. Because we always have. You, you ever have a concert you regret not going to? I got two. Go ahead. Uh, my two are both farewell shows. The first one being Yellow Card because that Damn, shit sold yeah. out in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. And I miss Yellow Card every single day and the uh, the other one is also a farewell show that's the him farewell tour and granted i know you've seen them live and you said they're boring but i still think that it's kind of the end of an era it's the end of that cky jackass era and the more i think about it kind of the more i miss it especially now because we're plowing through viva la bam we'll have our reviews on those up soon enough when jake <laughs> finishes them but you know it's one of those things where it's like yeah i wish i went well under a farewell that i missed that because i didn't have them yeah but we were there for the rebirth i was yeah <laughs> yeah but at the time fuck out what for you know as far as i know they were done you know um, what other show do I like regret missing? Man, there's probably one or two out there that I'm like, man, fuck, I should have went. There was that one with Silent Planet and Silverstein. Who the fuck was that? August, August Red. Red. I wish I would have went to that, but I didn't really have them. I, I DM'd Garrett asking him if he wants to grab coffee before the show in Pennsylvania. I was like, hey, man, we're in town. You're in town. You want to grab? He never replied. Damn. And then I saw some dude tweeted at him like burritos and smash before the show. Let's go. He's like, yeah, bro, let's go. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Shit, I can't beat that. <laughs> So yeah, that's that was my uh, disrupt festival review. Not not quite the warp tour replacement. Okay, we're getting there though. That's the that's the mentality that we eventually hope to get back to, filling that void, uh, that Vanna left. I mean that warp tour left us too. Yeah, that is too. All right, so it's like <laughs> let's talk movies, TVs, and books because we spent some time on disrupt. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so you put the new Mulan on here. Yeah, so um, they dropped some footage of the new Mulan, uh, and apparently it's very. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's very true to the folk folk story of Mulan. Uh, there's no Mushu or anything like that. So people naturally have a fucking meltdown over it. Um, to me, whatever. I'm cool with Mulan. Mulan is good enough to where, uh, you know, you like it, but not good enough where you consider it like an immediate classic. Um, however, with that, uh, I, I we usually we stay away from this type of stuff, but um, the mermaid controversy. Oh, great. Okay, here yeah. we go. So, um, first of all, I want to throw this out there. Is it just me or is Disney burning through their fucking properties? Like, they don't care what they destroy anymore as long as they make money off yeah, it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're, Isn't that crazy? No, you're definitely right. Because it was kind of there with Star Wars, but maybe we were a bit jaded just because we were so deep into it, you know? Yeah. And so there's always that, like, doubt that's like, eh, maybe Last Jedi wasn't purely trash. Maybe it's just us. Maybe we're trash, yeah. you know? But then... Lion King, Aladdin, Mulan now, Little Mermaid. It's like, what the fuck is going on, Disney? Yeah. 
It's a, like a fucking nonstop revolving door. Like, what the fuck? Why, who, who's asking for these things? And with that, before we could get into the whole mermaid thing, uh, apparently Lion King is getting fucking trashed at the fucking reviews. Did you it, see Toy Story 4 yet? No. Oh, okay. Then I can't make that joke. Oh, okay. But yeah, apparently it's getting trashed at the reviews. Everybody's like, well, it sucks. Well, it's like, well, no shit, it sucks. Because A, it doesn't need to exist. And B, it doesn't need to exist. So Even then, man, Disney had a very nice cartoon medium, that Disney look, right? Why would you ever want to see live-action lions killing each other unless you're on the Animal Planet channel, right? It's, it's not really even live-action lions. <laughs> well, 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 but you know what I mean. No, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. If you want to see that shit, you're going to want to go to those weird sites where like, you see like a lion beheading like a gazelle or something, you know? <laughs> you don't want to see this in a damn Disney movie. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to get into that. Anyway, the mermaid controversy. So, basically... Uh, mermaid or the mermaid little mermaid has cast been cast and they chose who they wanted to be ariel and she is an african-american younger lady right and the internet fucking shit a brick the size of texas size of texas because they're like ariel's not black la 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 that's like making mulan white la 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 i'm like well first off you're wrong number one mermaids don't exist so how the fuck are you gonna tell me what color they are number two never in the Little Mermaid lore doesn't mention her skin tone. It's like, okay, fine. If Snow White was black, then we got a problem. But, like, they never talked about what color she would be or whatever. To me, the only thing that matters as far as the mermaid is if her hair is red. That's, like, the only thing that matters because then that's, like, an iconic thing from her. Her skin tone has nothing to do with it. And people were trying to make the comparison, oh, it's like making Mulan's white. No, because Mulan, Pocahontas, they're all wrapped up in their culture. The, yeah, that was the big point I was going to make. That These Disney princesses, Mulan, Pocahontas, and there's some others that I'm sure we're missing, their identity, well, a good chunk of their identity and their story revolves around where they come from and who they are. Yeah. Um, the Little Mermaid, I, she comes from under the fucking sea. <laughs> she should be a crustacean, damn it. You know, it, it shouldn't matter in stories like that. And it's a bit ridiculous because people are caught up in this old mentality and this and that. But, you know, we don't get too political on this damn podcast. Yeah, I try to avoid I just it. think it's kind of upsetting that A... Disney is just lighting their stacks on fire. Their stacks of millions on fire to keep them warm at this point. Yeah. And that too, that it's 2019 and we're still not past this. It's just a smidge ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know how it is though, man, you give people the opportunity to sit behind a keyboard, remain anonymous. They say whatever the fuck they want, but in actuality, you know, they're not the ones in the boardrooms making decisions to make money for their company. I know. And, uh, it's like, uh, there was that meme, um, that came out with, uh, you know, from, uh, oh my God, was it, what's the name of that fucking movie? Adam Sandler, golfer. What's the name of that fucking movie? Oh, uh, Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Where he was like, I ate pieces of shit for, shit for like, you for breakfast. He's like, you ate pieces of shit for breakfast? He's like, no. It was like that where it's like, I ain't going to go see The Little Mermaid. He's like, I'm, what did he say? I'm not going to go see The Little Mermaid. He's like, you were going to see The Little Mermaid? He's like, no. Same kind of deal, right? Uh, <laughs> there's an old anecdote uh, that says the... Uh, Nobody hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans, and I think that's so funny because yeah. <laughs> when I worked at my previous place of employment, I had this coworker who sat next to me, and he said he saw the last day. He's like, I "Fucking hated it." Blah, blah blah. There's so many things wrong, and he like ran a blog, and uh, he's like, you know, a few weeks ran past, and he wouldn't stop ranting. But I was like, "All right, dude. Like, I get it. I didn't love it, but I don't hate it that much, right?" Yeah. And he's like, "I saw it three more times," and I was like, "Why? Why are you giving me your fucking money?" <laughs> And he wrote, he, he told me he wrote 25 pages on why 
The Last Jedi is so bad. But he had to cut it down to like 11 for his fucking blog. I was like, dude, that, that's, you know, that statement, I just think it's hilarious. That is a little funny. That's Star Wars, in a, Star Wars fans in a nutshell, though. Yeah. So let's talk some Stranger Things Season 4. All right. Um, There are rumors going around that there's going to be a Season 4. And now I don't feel comfortable doing a spoiler review yet. But um, if you know how it ends, you know how it ends. And there's kind of this swirling doubt in everybody's mind. Yeah. Um, without giving too much away, do you think season four would be right? Making a season four? Um, I will. This is one of those rare things where if it ended now, I'd be okay with that. Also, if it continues now, you'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. Here's my big argument. If it continues, it needs to be a new cast and crew because we've, uh, essentially wrapped up our main cast storyline here Yeah, and a very good and a very well done manner that's both classy and beautiful yeah well and, done overall yeah, yeah gorgeous yeah so if they do a season four unfortunately for me it's probably gonna have to be a spinoff it and that's just the way it seems to go but there's some rumors that um somebody's still running amok and this and that and like i said we're not gonna get into this whole thing i'll probably give it another two weeks before we do a deep dive uh-huh. kind of pick it apart and stuff but in my opinion, if you want this franchise to keep bringing in money, you cannot soil what you've done because we saw that with season two and season three brought it back full circle and Absolutely. it wrapped up everything beautifully, put a nice little bow on it. Now, I, I agree with you, but my main thing, and I agree with you, but I don't see them not bringing those kids back. It's impossible. I, I totally understand. Yeah. Totally understand, but it's just rather unfortunate because, you know, we said last week that this is arguably the most successful Netflix original pro- property. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, if they do go with it, I'm going to be kind of upset if they spoil it, you know, cause how many sequel spinoffs and shit can you possibly get away with? Look at Halloween, a franchise we both love and maybe three out of the, what, 10 movies, 11 movies. <laughs> like legitimately love. Yeah. Like they, three yeah, of them. Probably. Yeah. Three of them. Yeah. One, two and the. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. One. 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 2018. 2018 four, four. yeah <laughs> and h2o you like h2o like that i like h2o okay that's fair yeah that's fair um we'll get into halloween another time maybe, trying to throw shade at fucking halloween four how dare you sir not in this house anyway you feel <laughs> what i'm getting that though out of the 12 movies that halloween has we enjoy three a, a love of, three a third of them <laughs> no that's like a fourth of them buddy no it's a third three movies out of 12 I like four movies out of 12. Warrior 4. Halloween. Halloween 2018. Halloween 4. H2O. Oh, shit. I can't count. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Though, like yeah. the big point. Yeah. I, I agree with you on overall. I think it would be an interesting choice if they decided to wrap up the 11 story and all that good stuff. Because let's be real. Well, I mean, I don't want to get to exactly what she can and can't do, but she was getting real over, real overpowered to the end. Like super overpowered. So um, I think but it might that's be. been taken care of yeah yeah that's true but um i don't know um i think it'd be an interesting choice because i thought i think we all kind of originally thought when stranger things started to become a thing and everybody realized it was like gonna be a success that was gonna be kind of like an anthology thing because the name stranger things is such a such a vague yet specific the only thing i can aside from the characters the one thing that stands out to me when you say stranger things is the title card and that music, music yeah if we totally disassociate the characters the plot and all that stuff yeah if you did stranger things you could run it like a grossly more successful 
Goosebumps or yeah. something akin to Twilight Zone. I 100% agree. That's what I thought originally after I saw season one. I'm like, well, I wonder if season two is going gonna... to be. Yeah, yeah, season two is going like to be its own American thing. Horror Story or something exactly. like that. Absolutely. Um, but they didn't, you know, that, that, again, that nobody expected those kids to fucking just to be so such a good thing because those kids fucking like took over the world for a little bit there. Absolutely. And um, to me, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in last week's podcast, but Millie Bobby Brown to me is a bona fide superstar. That little girl is going to fucking take over the world and be a leading woman in Hollywood someday. I believe that. Like I'm a firm believer of that. Good copy. Um, so I know that she's going to have a big, big career. And it's funny because even if you watch her like on Fallon or on all these other talk shows and stuff like that, she handles herself like a fucking superstar while the rest of them full of grace. Yeah. Yeah. Handle themselves like kids, which is fine. They're kids. But um, to me, she's like on a different level than all of them comparatively, but I'm not going to get into that too much. Good but. stuff. Uh, last little thing I will say about Stranger Things is that they are selling Scoops Ahoy t-shirts at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, I'm not sponsored or anything, but I mean, those shirts are fucking awesome. So uh, I heard that they were coming out with the USS Butterscotch ice oh, cream. Oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I hope that I really hope that's a real thing because fuck, I want one. <laughs> Good stuff. So transitioning from Stranger Things onto even more strange things. Uh, John Carpenter, what's his new project? Oh, you're going to love that. You're going to fucking love this game. So John Carpenter has announced his next project. He's working on a, uh, on a, on a comic. Cool. He just, he is told that he's going to be collaborating with some of the writers of a uh, Joker comic. He's going to, yeah, he's going to be writing a Joker comic. That's what John Carpenter, John Carpenter is going to be writing a Joker comic. Mm-hmm. Move out of the way, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's what's going on. Apparently, uh, I don't know if it's going to be tied into the movie. I imagine at this point it would be right. No, no, I you don't think, think so? so. John Carpenter is the king of body dysmorphia, and oh, the Joker does not strike me like that. I think you'd have to write the Joker if if you want to collect those two things. You're going to have to write the Joker in a very different approach from what we've seen. You're going to have to write closer to Suicide Squad Joker. Um, like the Jared Leto style, but you got to amp that up to like twenty. You gotta, you gotta have this dude have like crazy body scarification. I mean, the, all he, sorts of shit. He did cut off his face in the the new Fifty Two. He did, right? Yeah. But I'm saying you got to set it up like that. Yeah. Which we haven't really seen set up uh, in the movie wise so far. Yeah. Each Joker has been a different take on this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, you know, this is a comic. Uh, John Carpenter is going to blow it out of the fucking water. Absolutely. And if he's working with big names in the business, I have no doubt and no fear, and I'm probably going to scoop this up. Yeah, I figured you'd love it because yeah, I figured you'd be all over this once you heard it. But I saw that article. I'm like, holy shit, I got to look into this because I'm going to be the same way because being a big Carpenter fan as I am and being as disturbed by the thing as I was. <laughs> and being a big Batman fan. Yeah, it's going to be forget that. It's gonna be good shit. So I just wanted to bring that up, uh, and I figured you'd love that. Yeah, man, that's phenomenal. I want to see more kind of collabs and crossworks like this absolutely because i mean like who's to say that fucking um you know directors can't get into fucking comics and write actual comics Who even that it doesn't have to be like so grossly involved in that imagine john carpenter john carpenter doing an artwork for a devil wears prada ep that'd be more than enough i'd be smitten by that alone yeah that'd be cool right so yeah you, you know i do want to bring up the fact that mike when i talked to him last time he said he wasn't opposed to doing like a southern or cowboy-esque ep so that's totally not off the table at the moment, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, breaking news from Gabe. <laughs> good stuff. Um, that's good. I'm, I'm going to bring that topic back around when we talk <laughs> please, music. Please well, do. Let's talk some gaming. So this week, the Nintendo Switch Lite was announced. Um, somebody in one of the group chats I'm in said, hey, the Switch Lite is announced. I was like, God fucking damn it. I just bought mine Friday. And uh, so I looked into it, and it has some interesting specs. Let's kind of go over this, right? Okay. So... 
the big thing with this is that it's a hundred dollars cheaper. That's a two hundred dollar price point that I predicted the switch would be at this holiday season. Which I, I think basically is getting shut down unless both of them drop in price now. Um yeah, that idea is pretty much getting shut down. Yeah. So here's the difference between the switch light and the OG switch. The switch light has no docking capability, mm-hmm. so you can't plug it into your TV. The Joy Cons are not detachable. This is essentially a, a, a on the go only version of the switch. Yeah. Um slightly smaller screen. Uh, and it has slightly better battery life due to a change in RAM voltage frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. There's a demographic for this, I'm yes. sure. I think this will cater very well towards kind of the kids on the go. Maybe take it to school with you, take it on the bus, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's what I did with my when I had a Nintendo DS. That thing yeah. was great. Um, but I don't think it will cater towards our generation. No. Because I bought the Nintendo Switch as kind of a party console, if that makes sense. So no. when people are over, it's like, let's fucking go Mario Absolutely. Kart, me versus you, loser pays for coffee type of shit, you yeah. know? And that's very good. But I also recently bought uh, like Breath of the Wild, I mentioned. And I literally take my Switch to work with me. And on my lunch hour, it's do not disturb Gabe because he's playing fucking Breath of the Wild. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm gonna get into that game a bit later. But the Nintendo Switch Lite is interesting in concept. But I think the sales numbers won't do it any justice. Are, are, are they cannibalizing their own handheld market with this thing? Are they taken away from the 3DS? N- or Nintendo the is known to do this, right? So they've it, in the previous generations there was the DS, then there was the DS XL, then you got the 3DS, 3DS XL, then you got the 2DS, and then they just do this all the fucking time. And so what I think they're trying to do now was because the Wii U was still somewhat sort of relevant, right? And that console left a bad taste in people's mouth, and that's why the Switch didn't sell well. Like everybody. (laughs) Right? And that's why the Switch didn't sell well. But now we're seeing the Switch pick some steam back up. It definitely has, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's two years ago people were like, oh, you Switch. But now it's like, you don't have a fucking Switch? What are you? Are you even a gamer? Yeah. But we're at this weird point where I think they're 100% trying to phase out the Wii U because the new mainline Pokemon games are not on the Wii U. And I think that's usually a pretty bad sign. Yeah. Because when you get a mainline Pokemon game and it's not on the previous handheld, you're pretty much donezo. Yeah. That's like one of the bigger Nintendo IPs, yes, right? Yes, for sure. Um, and I don't know, man. I I think it's an interesting product. But now you have two competing products that are similar in nature that's just going to distract, yeah. you know? And I'm glad you have that option. I'm glad it's $100 cheaper because, like I said, that's going to be nice for the student. That's going to be nice for the college kid that doesn't have a big TV or, you know, that has room for all this crap. That's going to be nice for the guy that's always on the plane. Yeah. Right? But for people like you and I who like to settle down after a nice long day of work and just, you know, fire up the PlayStation, fire up the computer, pop in the Switch into the dock and play, I think that's a big takeaway or kind of deterrence because you could have reasonably dropped the switch to 200 bucks the og switch and i think that thing would have sold like fucking wildfire everybody would have had a switch in the mamas yeah you, you would have bought one for 200 bucks yeah. i'm sure yeah. you would have yep but now because the 2d or the switch light is in that space we can't have that price point yeah but that being said um i don't think nintendo will do it. i think gamestop will do a 250 dollars price point for a used switch and i think that's still a phenomenal bang for your buck do you, uh, I don't know how Nintendo continues to do this because this is something that I was thinking about when you were talking about Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. The, Nintendo's like the only console um, creator that I know that every time when they start a new generation of console, they always have the classic game that comes along. At least one. Like the mas- launch title is a classic IP. It's a master. Not even just that, but as a masterpiece itself. Like yeah. Mario, Super Mario Odyssey, everybody fucking loved that. Breath of the Wild came out with it. It was everybody fucking loved that. Now the only exception to this rule being the Wii U. Did they have uh, a fucking? I couldn't tell you. I didn't really give a shit about the me, Wii U at that me, me point. Either. 
And it's always we or the Nintendo always had when they were release a new console, they always had a masterpiece just lined up with it. And um, they're the only console that I can think of that has done that consistently over time. Well, even if it wasn't in the games itself, there'd be some interesting console innovations like the Wii. You remember that motion sensor? Yeah. Because that was like, holy shit, you can play with moving your fists. That and the Wii Sports thing was like... Wii Sports was great. Was tacked on and everybody fucking loved it. It was a fucking hoot. Are you kidding me? That Wii menu music was phenomenal. (laughs) Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. That's still better than some of the metalcore albums we get cranked out today. Hey, cold blooded, uh, man. Fucking <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey. No, but like, you feel me though? Like, yeah. they, they have an interesting marketing approach, and I don't know if it's working in their favor or not. Because mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to a to a switch light. Is it for me? Definitely not. No, no, no not one hundred. No, no, not at all. Now I want to talk a little bit about Breath of the Wild. Okay. So I was hoping to catch it on one of those buy two get one used sales that GameStop has, because that's what I caught with the Switch. I bought the Switch. I bought uh, Mario Kart, and then I got Overcooked. Have you ever played Overcooked? No. That game is ridiculous, and I'll bring it over someday. But it's essentially you're managing a kitchen with another partner. Yeah. And so you got to cook these dishes and get them out on time. And all this (laughs) wacky shit goes on in the kitchen. So, like, (laughs) fires will start off, or, like, you're cooking on a hot air balloon, and all your tables and stuff slide over. (laughs) It's absolute chaos. It's phenomenal. And it drives my significant other up a while. So you love it then? Yeah. She gets super frustrated. Um, (laughs) And so I kind of caved, man. I bought Breath of the Wild. I bought it. um, I brought it brand new. It was 50 bucks, and I was like, I think I can validate 50 bucks for this, right? And I started playing, and I was like, I, I knew I really wanted this. And then I started playing, I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool, this is fun. And there was a point uh, in the game where I got, uh, it's, I don't know, maybe the first hour or two into the game, where you're kind of on top of this church overlooking the kingdom. And I was like, holy shit, this game is something special. Okay. Because, you know, what when you... When you get a game and you start playing it, you, you know that there's something to brew in, but you don't know how you feel about it yet, right? Yeah. And then there's a point in the game where you're like, where you just get the chills and you're like, holy shit, this isn't your average run of the build game. Yeah. And that was the point in Breath of the Wild for me where I was like, I'm going to love this. And I'm like shaking with excitement yeah. type of stuff. And this game is brutally unforgiving. If you fuck up, you're done. It's just one of those. You got to plan things out. You, it's legitimate survival stuff. So I know I'm two years late to the party, but like <laughs> I was walking through like the mountains and stuff and yeah. Link was getting cold and he's like, <laughs> and, he, and he's like losing health. And I'm like, what the fuck do I do? So I, I, you know, I cooked up some chicken and some peppers and like the peppers gave an effect where you, you kept warm for five real world minutes. So you wouldn't lose health because of the cold. Is that logic sound? No, definitely not. And it doesn't have to be, but but it's close enough, you know? Okay. It's close enough, right? Yeah. It, like, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Yeah, I guess. Right? But it's just all the small little details in this world. And they just... <laughs> my, my favorite part about this thing is that they just take you and they're like, hey, here's, here's what you got to do. Oh, by the way, it's like a thousand miles away. And they just toss you. And they're like, go explore. And nothing is... No other game I've played, not even Skyrim is so welcoming to the player to go out and explore like this. I just thought about the the idea of, of eating a pepper to prevent yourself from getting hypothermia. <laughs> I just thought that, that, there, that there may or may not be some logic to that. Well, let's think about it. Cause if you, it's like you eat, if it's really hot and you eat a popsicle, you're going to feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. So like in theory, well, cause a popsicle would cool down your core body temperature. So a pepper in theory should warm you up. Right. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. But you know, if the, those two things are equal, then that should kind of makes sense right you, maybe we should look into this because i'm kind of curious now i'm gonna eat hot cheetos during the winter outside and then let me know how it goes maybe just <laughs> eat like a like a couple of habaneros and just stand out there and be like ah, i'm good <laughs> <laughs> i'm licking snow but i'm good <laughs> but yeah dude I, i'm gonna give an update when i get closer to finishing it but uh, i'm fucking enjoying it Absolutely. and the best part and here's my thing 
here's my big cap off on the Switch. It's phenomenal on the big TV. It's yeah. gorgeous. But the fact that I can just pick up the Switch and take it to work with me every morning, that that right there is fucking titties. Damn, Gabe is just loving the Switch, man. I, I'm enjoying it, man. You're fucking going to make me do it, aren't I'll, you? I'll bring it over one day, and you can fuck around on it. But I'm telling you, dude, I think fuck there's me. a lot of good stuff coming our way for the Nintendo Switch. He's going to make me I'll do bring it, over guys. Mario Kart with the four controllers. Do it. And we could just hate each other. Do it. Did I, did I tell you Maddie's thing? <laughs> no. She's like... Because uh, she was doing really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah, yeah. the GameCube controller. And, uh, I'll admit, she's doing better okay, now. Okay, so she's better now. Okay, that's, that's good. All right. Let's talk um, some end-of-the-year gaming stuff. So we're coming to... We're past the halfway mark. Yes, we are. And it's July. It's like mid-July. So we got five months left to go on this kind of gaming craze. Um, you want to give me an update on what you think of this year's gaming stuff? Um, we've had some good things, but then we've also been kind of quiet, at least from my perspective, no. from like April onward. Definitely. It's definitely been a quiet year. Um now, nothing new, like new IPs or new things being brought to the table have really kind of wowed me, but it's a lot of the, like the DLC or whatever it may be from other games. The quality Siege, of life stuff. Yeah, Siege being the big one, because Siege every year has, goes above and beyond to be, ensure that their game is taken care of. Um, that's the stuff that's been wowing me the most this year. Like, I love the new Cafe. I, and I, cafe, was, cafe was probably my favorite map to begin with. But like now, I really, really love it, and um, they didn't. I mean, like I said, they're just one of, they're like one of the only games that I can think of that are actually doing it. Because I, I hopped back into Black Ops Four, and I don't know what it is about. It's getting the, worse, man. Yeah, it's I don't know worse. what it, what it is about the game. Because like, every, there's more operators now, and I don't know what they do, and if they're even relevant, or why is there special? You're still on this pay to win ladder. Yeah. Uh, that being said, the only thing that still interests me about Black Ops 4 is the zombies mode because yeah. these zombies maps are fucking banging. Yeah. Like, there's a Greek one. There's a Titanic one. There's a Colosseum one. Yeah. yeah. The Colosseum one is not the one where you go into like Athens underneath the Parthenon. That's a totally different map, by the way. Oh, okay. That's crazy, right? Okay. And the zombies keeps me interested, but I can't justify that price, man. Yeah. If I could just buy the zombie stuff by itself, I would. Yeah. Um. But like other than that, like I, you know, I've been playing a lot of like sports games and stuff like that, so it's kind of hard for me to. Yeah, because you know, I feel like we started off really strong this year. We it was just guns ablazing with all these things, and then now we've kind of hit this quiet part. And I, you know, um, I I think we see where my game of the year is going as to what I'm going to be playing the most, which is going to end up being Breath of the Wild. But I can't quantify that uh, 2017 game being the 2019 game of the year. Yeah. But like we had. Resident Evil, the remaster, which is still in my number one spot just because it's so fucking good. Yep. Then we had um, Devil May Cry 5. Then we had The Division. And we had all sorts of stuff come out through the year. And now we're kind of quiet. Because I, I, I don't... I'm trying to recall. Is that always like a post e3 thing where it kind of quiets down and post like it's like when you fart really good and you miss it like post fartum depression yeah <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> I, I like i said it might be just a post e3 what e3 thing where everybody's quiet and then everybody's gonna start ramping up for the holiday season maybe we should pay attention to that next year because yeah. i think there's some sense in that yeah because the, the only big thing i can think of off the top of my head right now is this new call of duty which we're going to get into in a second which is yeah. october we'll talk about that but like what's leading up to that not much well we got borderlands 3 in september and then there was another game in september but i feel like that initial hype for borderlands has died down significantly yeah really big i don't i wonder why um they just haven't been dropping stuff they dropped the free dlc for borderlands 2 that explains the gap between 2 and 3 i have a question for you sure because you talk about how quiet they got 
what because there's some games that maintain their hype all the way through regardless of how quiet the developer is the last of us is like one of the big ones in my mind mm-hmm. what is the difference between games like that and games like borderlands where if they don't continuously drop information to us that it loses steam what do you well, think that is okay if we're talking about games that have been released i think borderlands will always have a strong following just because there's enough shit to do in there and enough variety but in regards to releasing a new game um i just think that we're in this kind of competing space the last of us um, my prime example for The Last of Us is that there's no room for bullshit. There's no room for play. There's no room for microtransactions like that. If there are going to be in there, it's probably going to be some super small detail-oriented stuff if it ever even makes it in there. you know. But I think the big concern for Borderlands 3 is that it kind of paved the way for these looter shooter games. And oh, we've seen what it's done. And it's true. arguably one of the best looter shooters we have, yep. Borderlands, right? Even probably. though you don't like it, it's hard favorite. to ignore yeah. it. Um, look at what The Division did, 1 and 2. Look at what Anthem did, 1 and 2. Those games are kind of pay to winish. Granted, The Division took some steps and revised their mechanics. It's fine. Okay, Ubisoft has taken steps in the right direction. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to. In addition to that, the Damn. Gearbox guy, Randy Pitchford, has a lot of uh, kind of controversy surrounding him because he fired one of the voice actors who originally voiced Claptrap, and the new voice actor doesn't sound anything like Claptrap. Oh, no. The only character that's been in all, literally all the games, uh, him and a couple of vendors, but, you know, they're not, like, super main characters. And then there's some, you know, discouraged employees that he's fired. And then there's all these, like, kind of court cases that are coming up. And we don't know who to believe because Randy Pitchford is kind of crazy off the wall. And this and that. And there, it's just this amalgamation of things that come to it. And I'm still excited for Borderlands 3. But I had to go, oh, yeah, shit, that's still coming out in September. As opposed to Call of Duty, where I know that's coming out in October. Yeah. Granted, one franchise is much larger than the other. Yeah. But I enjoy... Borderlands arguably more than 90% of these Call of Duty games. Yeah. That's and it's this thing, you know, because The Last of Us use few words but make them mean a lot is their approach to it. I like that. They that don't awesome. need to give us an update every week, every month. It's just, hey, we're still here. You guys excited? Hell yeah. Where some games got to tweet something every couple days, every week, every two weeks, and they're like, are you guys excited? Hashtag the game. You know, um, and I think that's why it is because people know that Naughty Dog will take care of their property, whereas we can't be certain with a lot of these studios anymore. Fair enough. And that's my rant. So let's talk Call of Duty. All right. So who would have thought that me and Gabe would be uh, equally for once jazzed? Okay. So I, I think it was to be expected out of me because I've been on that Black Ops three binge. But damn, dude, this Modern Warfare game looks good. Yeah, so um, basically they had like an event, a multiplayer event. They invited some of the more prolific streamers and stuff. Prolific streamers out there, and they're like, you know what? Come play our fucking new game. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't like it, huh? Okay, so I think it's important to announce that they displayed a new game mode. Yeah. It's this weird 2v2 tactical setup where it's a mix of gun game on top of that. Yeah. So it's 40 second rounds. And you have 40 seconds to find the other team and fucking destroy them. Everybody gets the same loadout and a super small maps designed for this sort of gameplay. Um, is this the first time we've ever seen a Call of Duty like launch gameplay stuff that wasn't like TDM or Domination or like your regular plain Jane um, types? I would I, I want to believe so because they've definitely never like leaned on a new game type for four for sure. Well, because the last big one for me was probably Gun Game or Infected. Kill Confirmed was a big Kill one. Confirmed was big, but they didn't lean on that. It was yeah. like, hey, we got this new mode. But it wasn't... This full damn like gameplay thing was specifically on the 2v2 mode. Yeah. Uh, so I've never quite seen it before, but um, 
Man, it's it's I, it looks I, good. I watched it. it. It looks good. They've definitely taken a step towards realism. I like how much more of like hands you see when they have a pistol out. Like mm-hmm. that's really in- incredibly. It's a little weird and jarring at first. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, I think it's for the better. Yeah. Um. You got the lean mechanic. Yeah. That they, they well they've had that before, but I think this looks like it's implemented a little bit better. Um. And just you have a lot more gun sway. The guns are weighted, so you can't do your three sixty no scope on somebody's. They dead. have. There's not a situation where, like, when you have when you're running with a gun, the gun goes up, so you can't like immediately like bring it down and start spraying people. You have to like wait for the animation for you to reset, which is something I think is pretty interesting. Um, sound, the sound, how it sounds is really, really, really good. Like everything has impact. Everything has a thud. Everything is weighted, like you said. Um, so that I thought that was pretty interesting. The game mode itself. It's pretty intriguing. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think uh, if you're playing with a friend and if like maybe they bring back game battles or something like that, I think that could. I be think the three v three technical mode that we got in what was that Modern Warfare two, maybe Modern Warfare three ish. Three Modern Warfare three. I thought that was a lot of fun, and I thought that was a step towards the right direction because you and two other boys versus three other you know randos you encounter. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And now that it's a partnered mode, I think it's going to get pretty crazy. You're yeah. going to get a lot of screaming over that mic. Absolutely. So um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that goes, but. Visually, it's probably the best looking Call yeah. of Duty's ever been. Um, I, I initially said that it's between like your traditional COD experience, it's halfway between that and like a siege experience, mm-hmm. where you do have to have a little bit of thinking and there's some more complexity to it, but you don't have to take like Adderall and play this game for eight hours straight type of thing. Yeah. And then you mentioned it kind of looks like Battlefield, and I'm I'm like I can't unsee that now. Yeah. And I I think you're right, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And perhaps we're so interested in it because. It's not like every other Call of Duty where it's not a cookie form. Yeah, I think um, the the big thing to take away from this is that it doesn't look like Call of Duty, and that's why we're excited for it. Yeah. Because it could be, if you would have told me, hey, this is a new IP shooter that we have going on, I'd be like, I believe it. It looks like a new shooter that you would come out with or whatever. So I'm intrigued. I'm watching it very closely. I will watch its career with great interest. All right. Uh, because I think this might. There's room. Yeah, there, this might be the opportunity that to hop back in to, that, that Call of Duty has been waiting for to get everybody back in its good grace or get itself back in everybody's good graces, um, especially from an Infinity War game. You know me. I fucking hate Infinity War with like a passion for the majority of the games they released. And, but this one is, is interesting to me. Good. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't look like there's room. I'm sure they will come out with it eventually, but it doesn't look like there's room for sh- like stupid dances and skins and neon bullshit it looks like kind of a straightforward call of duty experience which is why i'm kind of looking for i'm not opposed to the whole interesting skin stuff especially for your weapons i kind of enjoy it once you start giving everything a makeover that's when we start to have issues i think it should start and stop at the guns and maybe gun charms yeah because that's not grossly distracting and you're gonna be looking at it for the majority of for all your gameplay really right yeah and so you should be able to customize it and stuff but when you start wearing pink camo like ranger hats to battle that's kind of where the issues start i agree especially for a boots on the ground realistic shooter right yep so i'm looking forward to this i think it's gonna be good yeah i want to hear some more information i'm definitely leaning towards the side of acceptance but um i'm not pre-ordering yet and we're going to hold off on that because we saw what happened with Black Ops 4. We did. That first month, there was no microtransactions. There's no this. It was actually a really good game that first month. And people were excited, this and that. And then, boom, all the reviews are out. Yeah, let's bring those microtransactions back in. Yeah. Now it's a pay-to-win ladder, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we'll see, man. We, we, we just got to be very diligent and careful in the way we approach these things. Absolutely. So with that, uh, we are at, at music news and reviews. Yes. 
We have made it, folks. So we've gone so many episodes with me just introducing that segment that I don't know if Jake is capable of saying that segment name. So it's just my job now. Um, the Ghost Inside. That's last like, night. That's like you saying, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast. It's just weird if you were to do it. We should you, try that. You know, if you if you listen to the Exploration podcast, there's some moments where I like catch myself. I was like, should I got to not do that? <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. All right. So, yeah, music, news, and reviews. Um, wow, he is capable. So the Ghost Inside, back last night, they played the return show, uh, sold out show at the Shrine in L.A., uh, Davey Muse was there. Was straight it? From, yeah, straight from the path was there because um, James Paul Riley was the tour manager for Vanna at one point. Yeah, that I knew. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it went, but I can only went, imagine it went phenomenally. Did you see footage? No. Did you? I did. How was it? Holy fuck! It looked fucking awesome. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I saw footage of this. I looked it up. Big fucking crowd, gigantic fucking crowd. Well, because it was fifty five hundred people, and then they opened that up to I think like six thousand. That's a lot of fucking people out there, man. They got like kind of the, um, you know, like when you have like a lot of those European festivals where they have the the crowd split in two halves and they have like a walkway in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the setup that they had. Wow, it was fucking gigantic. The stage was really big too. Like they knew like once they were selling tickets, I'm pretty sure they realized real quick that holy shit, this is going to be a big deal in it. Because I think. They're like one of those bands to me that sounds so um, unaware of how awesome that they are that they're like, well, you know, maybe we'll play a smaller venue and maybe people will show up and maybe, hey, maybe it'll sell out. And they don't have no idea how fucking awesome they are. So with this, I mean, this is bringing a story that we mentioned when this podcast first started. That yeah. was like episode three ish, yeah. maybe four. Something like that, where we're kind of bringing this whole story full circle where. We mentioned, hey, yeah, you know, this tragedy happened, but they had a bus crash, and Lord knows what's going to happen from here on out. And we finally reached the end of kind of the saga. And I think from their perspective, if it were a movie, this show is like the climax. The climax. This is their live aid of yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. Absolutely. This is it. And uh, I saw some of the footage. They didn't miss a beat, man. And you know, those guys have had life altering injuries. Some of them are missing limbs. Some of them are missing toes and half a foot. Vigil's um, ankle is fused, so yeah. he can't jump around on stage like that. No yeah, way. and uh, didn't miss a beat. They sound just as good as they did. And um, it popped me because they opened up with Avalanche, and now it kind of has that, and yeah. oh, my God, people were fucking losing their mind, screaming that shit at the top of their lungs. And, uh, yeah, man, it's awesome to, to me. The, the, the story that I find the most interesting, I mean, obviously, it's all horrible, but the drummer, right? He lost his leg. He's a drummer. He he's, he needs them. In a metal band, you <laughs> yeah. need both he, those kick pedals. Yeah, he, he needs them, and he did not sound slightly different. He is so fucking talented. And uh, I'll show, maybe I'll show you the opening to Avalanche because that will give you goosebumps. It is goosebump-inducing because you're just like, holy shit. And they went straight for it. And from what I can tell, it was an incredibly successful show. They did a great job. Apparently, they had acoustic sets from a variety of different artists that uh, that came in before. Um, like, I think the dude from Wage War had an acoustic set or something like that. Like, they had guys come in to just do some acoustic stuff before they played. Oh, wow. So, that was the opener. Yeah. So, the, um, that's what I heard. And um, it was a good, it looked like a good show, man. That uh, They had a picture of the merch up on Friday. And they had like 40 different pieces of merch. And I was like, damn, all this shit looks good. And it's all going to sell out probably. Yeah. I, are you kidding me? I think the the Jordan Buckley poster is very interesting because he painted a phoenix with the Ghost Inside logo. And, you know, they obviously they have a song called Phoenix Flame. But I think I don't think anything else would have been more fitting that from the dead ashes of a band called The Ghost Inside emerged the new, granted, injured, but kind of stronger and better. And this absolute force of a band 
yeah called the ghost inside yeah and, because uh, we mentioned that um when they were you know when they were pre-accident people were like yeah the ghost inside blah yeah. blah but now it's like dude the fucking ghost you know the ghost inside yeah yeah man i listened to them before the and now you know they sold out a six thousand person venue yeah it was awesome and uh like i said i'm, I'm gonna show you some footage after this um so we can uh you know talk about it but yeah so good show overall all good, right good to see him back so retro review gabe all right, so we listened to Lincoln Park, Thousand Sons, for this week's retro review. You want to go first or should I? Uh, I'll go first. Sure. So uh, I've mentioned this previously on the pod that this, to me, is my favorite Lincoln Park album. And you would think, listening to it, that maybe it might even be my least favorite because I think based on my traditional, what's the expectations to what I listen to, um, people would think, well, Jacob probably hates this. I don't. I actually love it probably more than any other album that they released, um, you know, total uh, because it's just it's different. It's weird uh, because there's people, there's artists out there that do weird stuff just for the sake of being weird, um, not because they are you know trying to have like an overarching uh, like mission statement. Just because like, well, this would be weird. Let's fucking just throw it on there and see what happens. Um, this was like a, a a conscientious choice to try to break the mold of what a Linkin Park sound so album sounds like. Uh, and they kind of already did that with Minutes to Midnight, which is the album prior to this. You know, they didn't go the traditional Lincoln Park route with their sound. And at this point, they went full on exploration mode and kind of pulled things from everywhere else in every which direction um, to kind to kind of you know do um, what they want. They felt like I honestly felt like they didn't have any rules with this. They were like, "Fuck it, we're gonna do what we want to do, even if it's fucking weird and off the wall." Um, this album tells a story. Um, it has a lot of really interesting, cool interludes, which. Outside of the context of the album, I would never listen to. But if you're listening to the album all the way through, it's all important. It's all important to tell the story that they're trying to tell. It's a con- it's kind of a concept album, kind of sort of. It all kind of has the same overarching story. But um, I like it. It's one of my favorite Lincoln Park albums. Some standout tracks to me is "Waiting for the End," um, "Wretches and Kings." Uh, well, there's another one, "The Catalyst." To me, I hated that song when it first came out. I hated the Catalyst. I thought it was fucking stupid. But after a while, it grew on me. And uh, by the the time I saw them live the first time on this album cycle, I'm like, holy shit, that thing was so good live. And um, to me, like I said, my favorite album, uh, it's got a special place in my heart. 2010? 2010, yeah. Uh, 2010. And um, during this era, and honestly, you can't really give it too much credit, but during this era, this is probably one of my favorite like visual Lincoln Park areas where everything was kind of black and white and like colored was faded and all that good stuff. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoy it the most. And uh, just a lot of fond memories looking back on this album because I had a great time with it. And uh, as I go back now, I'm like, man, this fucking album is still good. Even the the slower songs like Burning in the Skies, like I enjoyed all that stuff. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of my quick overviewing on it. And I want your opinion because I'm generally interested. Sure. So um, quick little just background information. I kind of fell off of Linkin Park at this point in my life. And I'm kind of glad I did because I'm sure if I listened to it when this came out, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. But going kind of back to it and... I don't want to say re-listening, but kind of rediscovering Linkin Park and especially this album. I think this album is definitely more catered towards the mature audience. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of interesting production work and instrumentals that go on during this, especially during the interludes. I think that's arguably one of my favorite parts of this album. And you're totally right. There was no kind of like, we need to make this sound like Linkin Park or it needs to sound like this. I think they all just kind of sat down and said, fuck it, we're going to write what we want to write. Um there were some kind of choices that this album made that I really appreciated with uh, 
I don't know, man. It feels very like spaced out, not in like a spacey P way, but a very airy way, like mm-hmm. uh, like sitting on a savanna, and you kind of feel this music kind of flow through you. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually knew one of these songs, and when I listened to it, I was like, "Holy shit!" I didn't know this was fucking Lincoln Park. Uh, it was one of the singles you just mentioned, mm-hmm. but I thought this was an interesting listen. But that being said, I understand why a good chunk of Lincoln Park fans don't enjoy it because it's not what they've done prior, nor it's what they've done in the future. So this kind of weird standout thing in the middle of their career where they just said, fuck it, we can do whatever we want. Um, credit is due to artists that take that approach. Time and time again, we've seen, especially in like the metalcore genre where Here's a formula. Let's stick to it. This album sold out. Here's a formula. Let's stick to it. This album sold out. So props to um, this band for just saying we're going to do what we want to do because I think that's so bold and gracious. That being said, uh, I did enjoy it. I, I thought it was a fun listen. And if you have nice speakers or nice headphones, this it's, it's only going to do you justice. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That being said, I think you give this album passes on a lot of things that you give other albums like discredit for. So I think your opinion might be a bit biased. I understand your appreciation and love for this band. Um, but there's a lot of other things because I was listening to it and Maddie's like, Jake likes this? I was like, I think he does, yeah. <laughs> and it was just this kind of weird thing where I was like, yeah, like he'll shit on other bands for doing stuff like this, but Linkin Park gets the pass. Um, good album. I think if you haven't listened to Linkin Park in a while, I think maybe you'd want to revisit this along with Meteora, uh, Minutes to Midnight, Hybrid Theory, the crossover with Jay-Z. Uh, they have a good discography, and this is, um, like I said, this isn't my favorite album by them, but it's a notable standout. And if you can get me to that point where I said, hey, you know, go check this out. This is interesting. It's not unlike anything that they've done prior. I think that's an accomplishment in itself mm-hmm. where it's not a standout track or two. It's a standout album from their discography. Yeah. And that itself should be noted. Absolutely. I had fun with it, though. I liked it. Cool, cool, cool. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, you know, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, I just love I just love them. <laughs> uh, and um, they're very f- important to the formative years of my life. I think because it had a lot to do with like what was going on. I think Linkin Park to me is one of those bands that always release stuff coinciding with things that was going on in my life. And I don't know if that's just me applying my situation to what the, the story they're trying to tell, or this just meaning that this shit is just important to me. Well, Corey Taylor um, once said that so many fans relate to his music because music as a form is so malleable. You can apply the lyrics to whatever the fuck you want it to be. Because people always ask him like, hey man, what, what do these lyrics to Wait and Bleed mean? And he's like, whatever you want them to mean. They can mean something completely different to me, but if I give you a set meaning, then that song loses all sort of like relatability and, and almost like love to you. you yeah. know? So it's if you can apply it to your life, because that's what words are, that's what songs are, that's what books are, then by all means, yeah. take it with you and run. Absolutely. Um, and this, like I said, this is kind of like the middle point in Lake of Park discography. And uh, at this point, anything past this is more miss than hit um, with me. So like the next album, Living Things, was completely forgettable like in every way. And it was one of the more aggressive albums. I'd uh, say so. Um, and it kind of missed. And then Living Things, not Living Things, uh, The Hunting Party, which I liked uh, to a certain extent. There's definitely some filler in there, but I enjoyed it overall. And then the next album, I just, which is the last album, I just can't, I can't get with it at all. So um, to me... Um, not going to say this is like the pinnacle of their popularity because by no stretch of the imagination is it even close. But um, the last album, probably Minutes to Midnight probably was. But to me, this is the most interesting musically that they've released. Yeah. Um, um, standout track for Minutes to Midnight, uh, probably one of my favorite Linkin Park songs is Bleed It Out. I yeah. think that song is phenomenal. But then you listen to that and you listen to, uh, uh, what is it? Something in the end. When in the end or... Waiting uh, for the end. Waiting for the end. When you listen to those two, I, I deadass didn't know Waiting for the End was Linkin Park. I was like, holy shit. 
and then it came up and i was like damn i thought this was some like up and coming like uh like pseudo reggae <laughs> philosophy band right yeah because yeah, yeah. it sounded very much like uh in the vein of like sublime or yeah, yeah. rome 311 uh things like that yeah and i was like wow this is lincoln park but you compare those two things and you see the jump creatively and it's always important. Even if you fall flat, you fall forward, right? Absolutely. And that's the big thing to take away. So, yeah, that was uh, my album retro review. Now, what is yours? You know me, sir? man. I don't like to announce it on the podcast because I probably haven't thought of one yet. Uh, I'll get back to you. All right. Cool. I will get back to you this week. Maybe we'll announce that on Facebook or something like that. Good stuff. Uh, Twitter. Uh, all right. So, speaking of fucking shows that were fucking bananas, cuckoo crazy, uh, let's talk about Have Heart. So, Have Heart is a band that is a hardcore band based out of Boston. Boston? Somewhere. Somewhere East Coast. Yeah, Boston. And um, they have been in and out of the scene. They're one of those bands that was prominent during the time, had some good albums, and then they kind of disbanded. I think maybe some point six years ago they re- had a reunion and played some shows. Just and, a small couple of one-offs yeah. and disappeared again into the disappeared void. Disappeared again. And this time when they came back, uh, they did shows in Boston. And it, the first show did so well that they had to do a second show. And as far as live shows or live experiences or hardcore music in the live setting, the footage that I've seen from this shit is absolutely bananas cuckoo crazy. It's the pinnacle of everything East Core. Yeah. Uh, it kind of combines it all in one. There was a big Sharpie going around where people could uh, X out their hands or X it up or whatever. Really? Yeah. And I think that's wild. Well, because they are a straight edge band for yeah. sure, for sure. And that's the whole like appeal behind it, you know? Yeah. And the... Those shows are fucking nuts. Uh, any footage I've seen for it is just like, yeah, that's hardcore in a nutshell. That's what hardcore should be. And uh, I just wanted to bring it up because it was just nuts. And So they did actually drop a single in 2019. Did they? Yes. Because um, you said, well, I don't know if they're back or if they're playing shows. And I was like, I think they're back, man, because I remember something. something. And I looked it up. There was a single that they dropped. So I think, I don't want to say they're back full time, but they might be back to writing new material, new stuff. Because I mentioned it to you, man, like the 2008 to 2010. 10. 10. That hype train was real. Yeah. That was like unfucking voidable. Everybody was on that defeater train. Yeah. And we're out in the Midwest, and these guys were all the way on the East Coast, and they're not a crazy commercially successful band. Yeah. But the train and the devotion was just so fucking prominent and in your face. You can get away from defeater during those like two or three years yeah. that you were out there. And it's good to see them come back because I feel the same way about defeater at that time period that I do have about heart. a lot. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Have heart. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm confusing like, these two topics. Yeah. Um, have heart and that time period um they i'd say they were like an album away from being like the face of the hardcore scene yeah you know they were growing they're right fucking there they were like right at oblivion's peaks that's three um (laughs) and and you know they were like right there and then they just called it quits and they just said we can't do this anymore for whatever reasons and now they're back. Absolutely. So I guess we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun if they come through Illinois. We Good stuff. To, now, speaking about Defeater, that's yeah. our next topic. So did you listen to this? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, when I was listening to this, here's my thing. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, it is hard, hardcore music. So by default, I kind of like it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I was thinking about this because I was listening to it on my way home. I was like, it's crazy to me how... 10, 15 years ago, you said hardcore music, and you can almost imagine the, the snare, the bass line, most of the guitar work, and what the vocalist sounds like, right? But then now, you said hardcore, and I was thinking, like, the East Core shit like, I like, like, you know, Vanna, uh, Great American Ghost, stuff like that. Stuff on the punkier side of the hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is your very traditional hardcore roots-inspired band, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, damn, dude, hardcore has come a long fucking way. Yeah. That being said, I love the vocalist. He has the same... 
uh, writing style and almost like presentation that the dude from To The Wind has. Or it's just, just kind of brutally honest, in-your-face fucking vocals and lyrics where it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, if it was perfect, it'd be so artificial that it wouldn't feel real. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I, I give this album a listen because it was something that I heard that was pretty good. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I enjoy it. I mean, I've, I've listened to Peter uh, a handful of times. I've seen them live, actually. I saw them live with Bear 2 one time. And um, they're good. Um, this is kind of on the slower spectrum of hardcore music. Um, I would take the, if you're taking kind of a traditional hardcore band and kind of mix it with kind of a being as an ocean vibe, kind of that poetic kind of spoken word, spoken word kind of a deal. Uh, this I think this is pretty much a, kind of the baby the love child of that. Uh, it's a good album. Uh, there's some standout tracks. I think Mothers and Sons was a pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that one. was really good. Um, they had some of those big sym- symphonic moments of uh, you know in a, in a hardcore album that you don't really expect. And um, overall, it was a really good effort. I don't know if it cracks the top five uh, this year or even the top ten, but uh, this is something that I definitely enjoyed. And I always like Defeater albums. They're always good. And they're coming around to the beat kitchen on your birthday. There's that. And, 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 and. they're releasing this album on cassette. Uh, band started doing that, man. Yeah. It, it's been back in the, in the mainstream for a couple of years now. Strange. Yeah. But, well, cause everybody saw the, the, the vinyl. Boom, the vinyl yeah. And they're like, what if we brought cassettes back? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ghost did an, uh, an eight track for their last <laughs> album. And I thought that was ridiculous. It's just, what are you going to even play that on? Anyways. Um, so I like the album. I thought it was solid. Uh, it's defeater self-titled. So, if you want to go ahead and find yeah, it, check that out. You can't go wrong with a Defeater album. No, Even you can't. like like I said, this isn't my vein. Uh, you, is that's that four? four. That's, that's four. four. <laughs> this isn't my vein of hardcore music, but I still enjoyed it a lot, man. They yeah. they put out some good solid work. Uh, all right, let's talk. Lil Wayne walks off Blink. Your I think you mean tour. tour. Yeah. So um, I guess this, this nobody really knows what's going on with this because I guess Lil Wayne played like four songs. I think it was a stop in like Pittsburgh or something like that. He played like four songs and just said "fuck it" and walked off stage. And apparently, there was like a, a thunderstorm that everybody like survived through. So they were like really pissed off at him because people were like waiting like three hours for the show to resume. And this dude plays four songs and walks the fuck off stage. And naturally, Blink kind of took like a like a like a backhanded shot at them at him because they said we're gonna play one more song and then we're gonna play another one because we're contractually obligated to do that. <laughs> um, so oh, Blink. Yeah. To me, I mean whatever uh let's be honest i think we all kind of thought that this was kind of off to begin with um and according to him you know, he's sticking around nobody knows what the fuck is going on so um <laughs> i just want your opinion on it like do you, what do you feel i think it's kind of unfortunate because i listened to the carter five when it came out i i used to be really involved in like that whole pop rap scene with lil wayne i think he's one of the more interesting lyricists because the way he kind of mends these words together is very interesting, right? That being said, the Carter Five was a very kind of mature album for him. It was a departure from his earlier works. And I was like, cool, he's back in the game and he's grown up a bit, which is kind of what he needed back in 2008, 2009. But then seeing that this happened, uh, you know, I don't know why he walked off because it was a serious medical or family emergency. No, he, Nobody's going to blame him. Basically, but, he, he said it's not his swag is what he said. Um, <laughs> and that's really unfortunate because I thought we were going to get this new kind of facet. Because you have, like, look at Jeezy, right? When he was still young Jeezy, you got this kind of in-your-face aggressive rap stuff. And then when he transitioned into Jeezy, or just Jeezy, you had this kind of more uh, emotionally mature and involved kind of rap stuff. And I like that stuff. I like seeing artists progress, even if it is something small like that. But it's kind of unfortunate to see him go. Um, That being said, though, you know, if you were in high school in, like, 2006, that would have been 
a phenomenal tour for you to go to, but so well for that. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, nobody really knows for sure because he said he's on, he's off. Well, nobody knows. But uh, he did walk off stage on people who paid their hardwood money to go see him. And whether and that's never cool. Yeah. Whether that's his swag or not is fucking irrelevant. You play the fucking show. Even if you're unhappy with what's going on, you finish the show and then you complain about it on Twitter after the fact. You don't fucking walk off on people who are who did pay to fucking see you. But, um, yeah, that's basically all I had to say. About Good copy. Him. So um, we did. Record on exploration the zombie episode, and I did make Greg listen to the zombie "Be by the Devil Wears Prada." Yeah, and I am slowly but surely changing everybody's lives in my immediate circle. Yeah, because he said that shit was gnarly. I wanted to kick down a door. I was like, "Good, good. That's the way. That's the way it's supposed to make you feel." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Gabe mentioned this earlier in the week. I told him he can't be changing people's lives like that. It's fucked up. Yeah, good stuff. Can't my buddy good. asked me for a playlist today because I was like, I asked him to put on some every time I die yesterday, and he saved it. And he's like, Hey man, you think you can make me a playlist? You know, stuff like that. Of every time I die, or hardcore? no, not of every time I die. He said, I just want some stuff that starts off kind of softish and gradually progresses into the like the crazy stuff that like, you know, like the deathcore shit that we listen to. And so mm. I had this kind of weird problem th- this morning where I was like, Well, what do I put on this? And then I was like, This is coming from somebody who hasn't spent. 10 minutes in this fucking genre. Holy fuck. What do I put on this? Yeah. And so, and I kind of tried to curate it where, you know, it starts off with the starter with the softer stuff. So I put on like the slower, every time I die stuff, some bear tooth. And I gradually worked into like stuff like the used my ticket home. And I capped it off with like, uh, some define the great line stuff and shit like that. And, mm. uh, some early parkway drive stuff. But I was like, this is somebody who has dead ass never spent the time and, and and you know the time in the genre and i thought it was crazy because i was like well we need some alex is on fire on here we need some crisis oh we need this well we need that well, we need this and i was like well we should cap it off with knock loose because knock loose always knocks people's socks off right and i was like holy shit this guy literally does not know anybody in this genre besides bear tooth and i was like oh man i gotta curate this very how carefully. many uh, how many songs does he give you I gave him 26 songs. If you want, I can show you what they are. Go through it. Yeah, All right, yeah. So, 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 like I said, I tried to curate this um, softer to harder. So, I started off with Two Summers, Every Time I Die, Off Low Teens, Hated by Beartooth, Off of Aggressive, I Am by ha- Hands Like Houses, We Could Go by Let Live, Hype Real by My Ticket Home, Porch Mouth by Fever War, Penfold State Forest by Trophy Eyes when they were still hardcore, uh, The Seduction by He Is Legend, Pirates Belong at Sea, Close to Home, Siren Song, Dead Ships, Lost and Fading, Amity Affliction. Blood on my hands, the used. It remembers every time I die. Wanderlust every time I die. <laughs> Set fire to sleeping giants. Dillinger escape plan. You'll be tales. I'll be Sonic. A day to remember. The remedy by Polaris. Sleepwalking. Bring me the horizon. Supernova. Devil Wars Prada. This could be anywhere in the world. Alex is on fire. Dear youth. Ghost inside. Zero. Crown the empire. Doomsday architects. Karma. Parkway drive. In regards to myself. By under oath and dead ringer by knock loose. Those are my 26. I kind of gave them. Okay. And I think that was, I gave him enough of a mix of newer stuff, older stuff, the greats, the up and comings, shit like that. And I think he'll, he'll enjoy most of these. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Cool. Excellent. 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 All right. So with that being said, that was the second city kids podcast. So we'll see you here, here back week. Try again. You will see us here back next week for episode 125 because words are hard folks. Uh, but until then, signing out for your boy Jacob and Ghibli. Goodbye. No, hey, sorry, deuces, deuces. I okay, again, I almost fucked that up. Deuces. I don't want to mess with the chi of the show. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces.